Welcome to PR After Hours, your weekly cocktail of news and interviews with leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. So pull up a chair in our virtual lounge. Your host, Alex Greenwood, will be right back after this. Listeners, get this. Half of Americans in a recent survey indicated they believe national news organizations intend to mislead, misinform, or persuade the public to adopt a particular point of view through their reporting. Don't don't trust me on this. Trust Gallup and the Knight Foundation. I'll put a link in the show notes. It goes beyond others that have shown a low level of trust in the media to the starting point, to a startling point where many believe there is an intent to deceive. Just say this one last thing about it. Ask whether they agreed with the statement that national news orgs do not intend to mislead. 50% said they disagreed. Only 25% agreed, the study found. Well, wow, not a good sign. And particularly, though, if you're in our biz, public relations, or, or, or kind of the public relations adjacent businesses, it's really important to address some of these thoughts and to see how the creator economy can own the future of media and I can think of nobody better to discuss this with than our guest today, Annie Scranton. She started Pace PR as a solopreneur in 2010, the exact same thing I did in 2010, and has since grown it. Well, I didn't start Pace; I started mine, and has since grown it into a multi-million-dollar international business that represents clients like Hint Water, Fast Company, Albert, Consensus, and others. Uh, okay, admittedly, I'm not a multi-million-dollar business either. I'm going to find out how she did that. Prior to forming PPR, Annie worked for nearly a decade as a seasoned television producer, booking for major networks such as CNN, Fox News, CNBC, MSNBC, and ABC. She's covered them all, I think. Annie has also had experience writing for various outlets, including the Asbury Park Press, Huffington Post, Law 360, PR News, and many others. Annie Scranton, let's solve the world's problems this morning. How are you? Welcome to um, the Virtual Lounge. <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. What do you think? Is it as dire as that uh, poll made it sound? I think so. I do. Unfortunately, I think so. I think that right now, just with the proliferation of fake news following you know, Trump's candidacy, it, it really has reached sort of this crescendo moment where we're in a in a silver lining sort of way. Americans realized that they need to take their own agency and control over understanding where they need to be their own sort of educators on the media. That I think it was it was a real moment where they realized they need to actually discern for themselves. Is this real or is this fake? Should I go to another outlet? I want to get different opinions. So in that respect, I think it's a good thing because we should all be taking more control over, over what we, how we view and consume and digest and then re-put out in the world the news that we're, um, that we're listening to and reading. It was also a moment where I think even those who are, don't work in our field and don't work in the media really realize that media companies are businesses and they need to be profitable. And by the way that most of them are profitable is by giving their audience what they want. And so with that comes primetime news shows where anchors have all sorts of opinions, you know, and they're, but they're really opinions that their audience 
wants to hear. So um, it's kind of this double-edged sword where they're sort of putting out content that they're they're purporting to do so in a uh, responsible way, but the viewers at home need to be able to sort of read between the lines. There's so much here to think about and what you said and totally agree with you. The one thing, though, I think we should definitely mention here, though, is the news media, the, the fourth estate, is the only constitutionally protected business in the United States. Double-edged sword for them in the sense that they are protected, at least for now. They also, so therefore, they have a responsibility. And I think I, I think you're totally right. And Annie, you much closer than I. I have a journalism background, but I was not in those newsrooms and all of those networks, which basically was the epicenter for a lot of the way things have changed. I mean, Fox Channel in particular started, in my opinion, started blurring the lines from their from their from their day part to their evening. Mm -hmm. uh, not recently, maybe 10, 15 years ago, but they only started that about twenty years ago, right? But the point being, so they have that. But I I've got to say too that I forgot. Annie, as a PR professional, as a former journalist, that most people don't really consume news the way you and I do. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think of just family members or, you know, yeah. or friends that are in totally different professions or when I'm interviewing like young, younger candidates for entry-level positions and I say, how do you get your news? They say TikTok, <laughs> they say Instagram, you know, and it's really for older generations, Facebook, you know, um, which is not a bad thing. I think that's actually a benefit of social media is it's easier to keep up on news and trends along with family and friends and, and all that stuff that it was primarily intended for, but it's only one lens. And so um, we know that when we're working with clients and we're trying to put them in the media, we need to provide our clients with a 360 view of yeah. sort of the entire media landscape because we need to assume our clients are not experts in the media that the way that we are. Right. Um, so I do think it's part of my my role with clients at at PPR is to actually educate them on the media and sort of what they what they need to know in both you know okay you could go on this channel or 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 be quoted in this newspaper and yes you may get all these eyeballs on it or readers but maybe that's not the path that you want forward um so i think but i do i do find that now um people younger and older are a little more at least open to understanding that, you know, we may need to sort of broaden our scope in terms of news outlets um, to mm. get the full picture. So you were talking about how the, or you want to talk about, and I want to know more about this, your thoughts on this, how the creator economy can do this very thing. So, and by the creator economy, I'm assuming you're talking about people who use TikTok and, and these other forms. So how can they do it I don't know, maybe, I don't know how to approach this question other than let me just throw it out there to you. How can this be done? Is there a way that we as PR professionals can help this happen? Or is there, is, what's the way we can do to make sure that the creator economy can have media that we can trust, or at least a little more trustworthy than that? It's kind of wild west right now, I guess is my point. Yeah, um, well, I think that if I'm working with somebody who's creating this content um, and putting it out there in like a news or news adjacent sort of capacity, mm -hmm. I think it's just really important to, you know, first and foremost, understand the client's brand and what mm -hmm. their goals are, of course. But it's really, I think, incumbent upon the PR professional to 
take their own biases and their own political leanings out of the equation. Um, There was a a really interesting article I read recently. I think it was through maybe PRSA. And it was talking about how, no shock, most, first of all, most publicists live and work in New York City. And most of us lean progressive in our sort of personal and, and maybe even in the values of the PR agency that we work at. And that's fine. But that may not be what actually is most beneficial for the clients that we serve. So I think there is a sort of very tricky balancing act that needs to happen where you need to first and foremost, understand your client's goals and who their customers, their clients, their stakeholders are, and the messaging that's going to appeal to them. So that way we can build a PR campaign and a media strategy that's going to help grow their business. But the balancing act comes in line with, you know, we we always want to be working with clients that we are proud to work with and that we're yeah. putting, we hopefully we're aligning in our values. And I think that's where the trickiness can kind of come in. Yeah, I I, I tell my people all the time, look, you know, that's it's my job. My name's in the door. I'm going to triage here if we get, you know, we get interviews or asked to, you know, I, we don't really do RFPs anymore. <laughs> We're too small and it's a lot of work for not much reward, it seems for us at least. But uh, generally I triage through potential clients and I'm, if I don't, if I don't match up with their values or they don't match up with mine, I don't mean like 100%. I just mean if it's, if it's dramatically outside you know, if I can't, if I can't sleep at night, I ain't going to work. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not worth it. I don't like no, no amount of money is worth, you know, doing work that you're not proud of. I mean, especially as, you know, you get older, you want to, you want to work on projects that you really care about and that, and that you align with. But I think, I think also it's the balancing act of weighing, okay, well, if this is a client who is not super on one end of the spectrum and I'm on the other, but they are different in some of their ideals and values than what I, how I normally would live my life. Um, I try to ask the question, well, is there an upside to me working and getting that point of view out there? Because I worked, as you mentioned in, in the intro, I worked at Fox News, I worked at CNN, I worked at MSNBC, I worked at CNBC. And I, I truly believe in the importance of getting both sides, both as many perspectives out there as possible, as long as they are steeped and rooted in fact and research and and will and will move move the story forward in some way, shape, or form. Oh, thank you. I I I, I get concerned that the media gets all caught up in in um, both siders both sidesism when when it really you know there's an objective. There, come on, it's like I want to say to the screen sometimes. Come on, there's an objective truth here, folks. This, you know, we don't have to bring on some kook to say this was right, either side, left or right. So I, I appreciate that too. I, I think that's 100% right. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it's incumbent upon us in managing our clients and how they want to share information with the media to, of course, make sure all our ducks are in a row, make sure all our T's are crossed, all that kind of stuff. And then we can gently guide our clients a little bit if they're going off the reservation a little. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what our our role is. Um, yeah. And it's to provide the council in how their messaging, all of the different ways in which their messaging can and will be perceived in the media, and then helping it to strike that balance of saying, okay, well, if you say this, does the, does the reward outweigh the risk? Um, mm-hmm. And sort of helping clients to think through all of that in a 360 way, because as you know, 
clients, they work in that company day in and day out. And when you're in the weeds with something, it can be hard to sort of see the full picture. And that's really what I think we're there for. You know, you and I have some things in common. Besides, we started a business the same year. We're both in the same business. Very similar. Uh, we're both podcast hosts, by the way. The, and your <laughs> podcast is, what is your podcast? Tell everybody. The PR Pace. Um, and so we're uh, in our third season. And each week or every other week, um, we interview a client or a professional in PR to sort of just talk through trends in the space. And then the second interview is with a member of the media. And so we try to provide tips mm. and contact for other publicists and media professionals about pitching and sort of what it's kind of pulling back the curtain and what a a day is like for um, Mm. someone who works as a TV news producer or a reporter. You know, that's one area I have not uh, gone to is to asking my media contacts. I I frankly think that most of the time they'd say no, but I guess maybe they don't, huh? No, I don't think so. I think, I think, I mean, as someone who, and you, you know, worked as a media professional, as a journalist, um, producer, you don't get into it for money. Um, and so <laughs> when uh, and and it's a grueling job, and oftentimes, unfortunately, a thankless job. And I think no. if you can provide the opportunity for uh, to turn turn flip the script and have the journalist, um, you know, give them a moment to shine, I, I find that they're they're pretty receptive to it. Okay, you've emboldened me. Thank you. I'm going to start bothering all my local <laughs> contacts. Hey, you know what? So we have we have one more thing in common. I just wanted to share this. We were both asked to contribute to our friend Mark Witt's great new book, What yes. is Doubt? Make Applesauce. We're both in this book, folks. And by the way, Mark's been a guest on this show. And actually, I, I stole that same interview and put it on my other show, Mysterious Goings On. So go listen to it. But it's called When in Doubt, Make Applesauce, Core Habits of the Masterful Public Relations Professional. And Annie, what I love about what you said, you and I say similar things there. You say it better than I do. But your advice in this is telling uh, PR professionals to stay curious. I love that. So one of our clients, Dr. Catherine Smerling, she's a psychotherapist in New York City, she sort of roots treating her patients, couples, individuals, whatever, um, rooted in the concept of curiosity and how if you remain a curious person, you're going to be a more fulfilled and more content person in your life. And just when I think about hiring at any and all levels, one of the traits I try to discern if I'm interviewing somebody is just, are they a curious person? Do they want to keep learning? Are they, are they interested in a variety of different fields? You know, in particular, my agency, we are generalists. We don't have one industry that we focus on. And there's a lot of crossover in different types of, of account work. And it's a trait that I think just not only makes a publicist stronger at their job, but also likely means they're a more, they're a happier person and a more yeah. fulfilled person. And I think that it kind of goes back and forth and then makes them better at their jobs. hundred percent. Well, I, my, my bet, I said, uh, I have a liberal arts degree and I describe it as a cocktail party degree because you learn a little <laughs> bit about a lot of things. Right. Uh-huh. And, and it's, it's made me that kind of learner my entire life. So the curiosity and that broad spectrum of learning has been huge for me. And I, that's what I tell when I speak to young you know, professionals or people in college, I tell them that every single time. Yeah, it's I, I I think if you're going into a field like PR, you sort of have to have that jack of all trades mentality. And because even at the, the entry level, the youngest level that someone starts working at, I want to heal hear all of her ideas. I right. want her to weigh in on a client and on a campaign um, because it is truly about getting all the different perspectives in um, just makes the job more makes the job better. 
It does. And, and in that vein and in that uh, spirit of education, of making the job better, I'd love to ask you if you have some tips on building a, re a great relationship, some golden rules on building a relationship with the media. What are some things people really need to, even if, you, even if they think they know, they should reinforce? Sure. Um, I think as with anything or as with building any relationship, authenticity is the cornerstone of all of it. Um, and so I think a lot of times, especially when you're in media relations and you're in the practice of pitching day in and day out, literally every single day, you can, it's very easy to get into a routine where it feels quite transactional. I'm yeah. pitching to the journalist. Do they want to do the story back and forth, whatever. And of course that's part of it. But the, my, my biggest piece of advice would be the more that you can spend time researching the journalist or producer that you're pitching, that you truly try to immerse yourself in that journalist brand and you understand their reporting or you understand the show that you're pitching. All of that is sort of like research that's going to make your pitch even stronger. Um, and the other piece of advice is we're living in an age where every one of us has some sort of a social media profile look up the person you're pitching on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on TikTok. It's going to give you a glimpse maybe into also some of their personal lives and habits. Um, and that's where I get a lot of great ideas for reaching out to journalists. If I see that somebody I'm friends with, you know, got a new puppy or something, and, and I have a client that has a, a pet food or something, it's just a way in, right? And way right. in very often authentic and genuine to to what to what's going on in their personal lives there was a morning show host in a market i won't i won't say but i follow her on she on insta and she's she's into you know astrology and crystals and all that so that's fine whatever okay it's you know <laughs> surprising but okay and i just remember posting stuff kind of not even directed directly at her but it was like it's a, like a full moon i put a werewolf on like twitter or something and she just loved it shared it the whole bit, right? You just do things like get attention, show that you're thinking about other things. That's that's exactly it. This in in order to be really successful at your job, um, as a publicist, I feel as though it really does need to be immersive. You know, there mm. can't be too much separation between work and home. It you know because it's sort of one of those industries where the more just immersed and you're talking about your clients and you're seeing what journalists are up to, it doesn't then feel like work. You just get or ideas organically. Yeah. You know, I, uh, my other show is Mysterious Goings On and it's, it's basically, I interview authors and creative people, but mostly authors. And I get pitched constantly, probably from people you, you know, I know New York City is very big, but they're all, most of them are from New York City or a couple from LA. And one of the things I, 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 gosh, I'm a PR guy. We get this, Annie. I mean, I'm such a pushover. If they call me and they're sweet to me and they're like, man, that last episode you did. And I'm like, you did listen to that. They're like, oh, I did. I'm like, you listened to it just <laughs> enough to tell me you listened to it. But you know what? I'm a pushover when I hear that. And, but what I really love though, is I've got a couple of them who have done exactly what you just outlined. They're like, Alex, I know this is your sweet spot. You're going to want to interview this guy. And I'm like, you know what? Our season's over. I'll start again in a few months. They're like, yeah, but it's, it's so-and-so. And I'm like, get out of here. An Oscar winner. Are you kidding me? And they're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right. So it, it's, it does work. And I think that works, like you said, everywhere, all the way down, either way, um, locally, mm -hmm. regionally, nationally. You, you know, Annie, I, I like to throw things, you know, towards the end of the interview and we're almost there. Sadly, this has gone so fast, but 
what's on your mind lately about the industry? I'd love to know. Are, I mean, you've already talked about the creator economy, but you're a leader in the industry. You speak all over the place. You've got your show. You're a professional in the industry who people listen to. Where are we going as an industry? Are we? I know we're constantly in transformation, but how do you feel about it and what's happening in your opinion? Yeah, um, I think I'm just seeing that clients are really gravitating towards wanting that full suite of services for the um, agency that they choose. And right. it's that can be challenging when you're trying to grow a business and add in different services. But yeah. um, I'm definitely seeing that need where they want to work with an agency that can do media relations, crisis, social, SEO, digital, all of that, all of that stuff. And I think that the other trend I'm seeing is that despite what maybe you might think or what a lot of people are saying, I still find that earned media is, is such a key component um, to any comms plan and that um, it's, while as we know, it doesn't necessarily lead to sales or increase in customers when utilized properly long tail, meaning mm -hmm. when they utilize the clips on SEO or on social or in their own marketing materials, it truly does move the needle because I, I have not seen anything that increases the legitimacy and the credibility more so than earned traditional earned media placements. I couldn't put it better myself. And that's, uh, I really appreciate hearing your perspective on it. Uh, here I am in the middle of America and you're, you're at the heart of let's say, like you said, the, you know, the publicists are in New York, most of the PR yeah. The big guys are in New York, Chicago, and LA, and it's just great to hear that. And uh, just speaking from my little perch here in the, in the middle of America in Kansas City, Missouri, it's just that uh, I'm seeing the same thing. It's definitely, hey, Alex, are you a one-stop shop? And of course, my answer is usually, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> and then you're, then you're scrambling later. It's like, I need somebody who can build an infographic stat, you know, that kind of thing. But you just do it, right? Yeah. Well, you have to. I mean, especially, and I that's kind of how I started my business. I was like, you know, Hey, any client, can you do this? And I said, sure. And then, you know, behind the scenes, you're like, wait a minute, how do I do this? Um, but that's why publicists are resourceful, um, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. One last question. You love, you still loving the biz? You're going to keep on keeping on? Oh, absolutely. No, it's, it's, I, it's the longest job I've ever held, um, but it's definitely the most rewarding and I, every day is different. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very motivated now because, you know, there's still a lot of professional development and growth that I want to do and I want to work on. Um, and fortunately I'm in the position to do so. So yes, keep on. Oh, wow. Andy Scranton is founder and president of Pace PR, started in 2010, and she's just killing it. She's in speaking to us from Manhattan, and you can find out more about Pace Public Relations at PacePublicRelations.com, and you can learn more about Annie and about their clients and their services and the whole shebang. And uh, I learned a tremendous amount, and you've also reinforced a lot of things for me, Annie, and for that, I do appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us here in the Virtual Lounge. Thank you for having me. Do you want to start a service-based business or become a freelance writer? Or maybe you are one, but you're figuring out the things that most people figure out. And one of the hardest things about starting a freelance business is finding clients. So you do all sorts of things, right? You change the rates on your website 10 different times. You go back and forth on every proposal, always undercharging because you're scared to charge too much. You offer services you don't love because you think more opportunities will come your way. 
listen, I learned this the hard way. That's just not true. If you can relate to anything I just said, I've got something for you to hear about. And this is especially for you if your monthly revenue is inconsistent, if you're struggling to make at least three to five K per month, and it's hard to find those dream clients the gurus keep talking about. Well, listen in. My friend Joe created a resource to teach you the shortcuts that took her years to learn. In her free copywriting class, she teaches how to write high converting copy and shows you the steps she uses to pitch her services and connect with clients. If you've been wanting to niche into copywriting, develop your writing skills, and learn how to position yourself to attract better quality leads, just take a look at her free class. All you have to do is go to thevirtualmama.com slash alexcopy. That's T-H-E-V-I-R-T-U-A-L-M-A-M-A dot com slash A-L-E-X-C-O-P-Y. And of course, as always, don't worry. It's in the show notes. Click the link in the show notes and find out if copywriting is right for you and if it's a way for you to be your own boss and succeed. You know what that means. It's last call here at the Virtual Lounge. Be sure to visit PRAfterHours.com for links to what we discussed in this episode and more. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time for another round at PR After Hours with Alex Greenwood.